This talk is brought to you by the Thomistic Institute. For more talks like this, visit us at ThomisticInstitute.org. We'll begin with a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. This is John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. When Jesus had said this, he raised his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your Son, so that your Son may glorify you, just as you gave him authority over all people, so that he may give eternal life to all you gave him. Now this is eternal life, that they should know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. I glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you gave me to do. Now glorify me, Father, with you, with the glory that I had with you before the world began. Let us pray. O God, you who have glorified your Son, grant to your priests, we beseech you, the desire to pray to you attentively and devotedly, so that they may lead your faithful people to the joys of everlasting life, won by Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I want to thank Father Jonah for inviting me to be here with you for this great opportunity of an intellectual retreat for priests. And of course, our retreat theme is the Trinity and Priestly Life. Father Philip Neary last night said that in organizing his three talks, he went to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, last night then we heard about the Father and Priestly Life, and it was wonderful. Uh, I have a different schema for my three talks. I was thinking about the subtitle of the conference on the Trinity and Priestly Life, and uh, that subtitle is Praying, Preaching, and Ministering in the Light of the Mystery of God. So Praying, Preaching, and Ministering. Three, three verbs, and I thought it'd be good for my three talks to go to the three verbs. So this one is Praying. The title of this talk is The Trinitarian Prayer of the Mass Collect. To whom, what, and why are we praying? Okay, so there are all sorts of ways of approaching priestly prayer and the Trinity, and I wanted to focus particularly in terms of the collect. Now, the opening reading that I chose from John chapter 17 is called the High Priestly Prayer of Our Lord Jesus. So uh, the Lord's Prayer is called the Lord's Prayer because that's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. In that prayer, we say, forgive us our trespasses. Jesus never sinned, okay? So in terms of just thinking about his own prayer, that we especially can go to John chapter 17 and enter into his own prayer to the Father. Father Dominic Legg, uh, who is the director of the Thomistic Institute, has done a lot of work on St. Thomas Aquinas' Trinitarian Christology, and in some of his work, he shows how St. Thomas is very keen to show that, that, Saint, that our Lord Jesus, in his humanity, prays to the Father, okay? So in his humanity, Jesus does not pray to the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He doesn't pray to himself. He prays to the Father. And this can be, help us, who are called to be in Christ, to lead the church to the Father, and it's not accidental that in our tradition, almost all collects of the Roman liturgy 
are directed to the Father. There are some exceptions in terms of the Mass. Um, perhaps the most prominent would be on Corpus Christi, where the prayer is addressed to Jesus himself. But generally, you think about the direction of the Mass being ad patrum, and so that the collect expresses something of that directionality, and that we do so precisely through Christ, uh, you know, in the Holy Spirit, through Christ, back to the Father. So this talk on the Mass Collect as helping our prayer lives as priests is organized in four sections. The first is we'll consider the, some general features of the Collect, what makes a Collect a Collect, okay? So just the general features of a Collect. The second one is how the Collect got into the news. Okay, so a few months ago, there was a change in the Collect and priests need to be attentive to the change and this was newsworthy, okay? So uh, various Catholic sites, and, and of course there were directives, so priests are directed. Why was there a change? Why, is, why does this matter? So the second one is just simply what happened in terms of the change, and what are the ramifications of this in terms of our Trinitarian prayer lives? Third, we'll look at some sample collects. So in terms of just now getting more deeply into actual sample collects uh, that, uh, that we will soon pray as priests in terms of the, the time of our liturgical year. And fourth, then how our priestly prayer, not only in mass and the divine office, but throughout our lives, can be more and more um, expressive of what the church intends in the collect, okay? So that our, our prayer, our, our, in a sense, our private prayer, can be more and more patterned on that structure, the Trinitarian structure of the collect, and how that is useful for our, uh, for our souls, for the church, you know, in terms of, you know, why do we pray as priests? Okay, so four sections, general features of a collect, to um, in terms of what got into the news about the changing collect and the significance of, of that, paying attention to the words of the collect. Third, the sample collects, and then fourth, how that can uh, influence us, how can, that can inspire us in making priestly prayer uh, throughout our lives. First, general features of a collect. I'm helped in this by a book that was edited by two Benedictine monks, and the um, two Benedictine monks' names are James Leachman and Daniel McCarthy. They have a book called Appreciating the Collect, an Irenic Methodology. Appreciating the Collect, an Irenic Methodology. So it's a collection of essays all on the collect. And there's one essay by Patrick Regan, uh, and he gives some information that's historical that, uh, that puts the collect in, in its perspective, in the context. Now, one thing that's uh, particularly interesting is that the prayer that we now call the collect, uh, uh, for much of the history of the Roman tradition, didn't have a particular name, okay? So this is where uh, it was sometimes named things in terms of what you would find on, on the missile page, but oftentimes it didn't have a name. The, uh, only in the Roman Missal of St. Pius V's pontificate, so in the year 1570, did it consistently receive a name on the page, and that name was Orazio. Okay, that was the prayer. Uh, so uh, it's in St. Paul VI pontificate, so after the Second Vatican Council, that then it is called collecta, okay? 
Now, uh, the previous translation of Paul VI Missal called it opening prayer in English. And now in our current translation of the Missal, it is called collect. Okay, so people call it collect. Uh, now, in the tradition, uh, sometimes that word collect would appear. Sometimes there would be a variation, collectio. Uh, Patrick Regan writes, In the Missale Goticum, a collection of Gallican rite masses made at Autun and Burgundy between 690 and 710, practically all the prayers are called collectiones. Okay, now, one of the oldest explanations of the meaning of collecta as a prayer comes from the first half of the ninth century in the abbot Walfred Strabo. Strabo. He writes that we call prayers collects because in them we collect, that is, conclude their necessary petitions with compendious brevity. <laughs> Keep it short. So the features of a collect are that it's a prayer of petition. Not a prayer of praise, thanksgiving, or lament. It's always a petition. It is succinct. It concludes something and culminates that which comes before. It really does collect or gather together and sums up in one compact, carefully crafted formula what is disparate. St. Thomas Aquinas, sometimes in appealing to the authority of the liturgical prayers, uh, would say, in collecta dicitur, in the collect, it is said, okay? Because he, uh, in writing his theology, is very much attuned to liturgy, not just simply the theology of the liturgy, but the, but the liturgy as a source for thinking about soccer doctrina, about how, how we are to think about God, okay? Now, Let's go to the current general instruction of the Roman Missal. And there, see what the germ says. Number 30. Among those things assigned to the priest, the prime place is occupied by the Eucharistic prayer, which is the high point of the whole celebration. Next are the orations, that is to say, the collect, the prayer of the offerings, and the prayer after communion. These prayers are addressed to God by the priest who presides over the assembly in the person of Christ in the name of the entire holy people and of all present. Hence, they are rightly called the presidential prayers. So on the same page of the Missal are the three prayers, collect, prayer over the offerings, prayer after communion. The latter two are always associated with those particular actions of the Mass. So always, when you pray the prayer over the offerings, you are mentioning in that prayer precisely the offering, always. When you pray the prayer after communion, you always mention something about having received communion, always. The collect? Well, it expresses something of the character of the mass, of, the, of what the church is praying. Um, but it's not saying, okay, we're beginning mass. In fact, it's not something that um, has to be prayed only within Mass. Frankly, it would be unusual to pray the prayer over the offerings at any other time than that point. Okay? Right? Okay. Or the prayer after communion. Uh, but, but the church prays that collect in the liturgy of the hours. Okay? So you see how uh, it's the first of these three uh, presidential prayers on the Missal page, and it has a particular prominence, but it's not even 
proper to the Mass. In fact, you could pray it several times during the day. Okay, I can remember, by the way, I uh, used to teach in seminaries in Nairobi, Kenya, soon after I was ordained a priest. And I can remember I asked a Vincentian seminarian uh, if he would lead us, uh, lead the class in the prayer on, on the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul. And he stood up and he prayed the collect from memory of St. Vincent de Paul. And I thought, that's great. Okay? Because that is exactly as actually how the, pre, the church wants the church to pray on St. Vincent de Paul's feast day. Okay? So he had it memorized. And uh, I, you know, I was surprised, and I loved it. Okay. Yeah, he was good. So uh, now, germ 45, after the invitation to pray, individuals recollect themselves. So we say, let us pray. And there really is meant to be some sort of silence. And actually, the silence is to give space for people to recollect themselves. Let's think about this. So that word recollect means to gather, to gather together again, okay? We, in various ways, lead disparate lives. All, we, uh, we are fragmented um, uh, in various ways. Sin especially makes us divided, divided among ourselves. But there are all sorts of distractions, okay? Distraction to, to take away from, uh, you know, to get away from all this. Um, that, uh, that the prayer is meant, you know, let us pray. When the priest says, let us pray, we are to pray. And something then is meant to go on in people's hearts, okay? You know, do we realize this? Do our people realize this? This is what the church is intending for let us pray, silence. And then that priest, you know, we as, as priests have the responsibility to gather together what is in people's lives and officially in the name of Christ and his church to present this as a prayer and to ask for something. Remember, a collect always asks for something. So germ 54, next the priest calls upon the people to pray and everybody together with the priest observes a brief silence so that they may become aware of being in God's presence and may call to mind their intentions. Then the priest pronounces the prayer, usually called the collect, and through which the character of the celebration finds expression. By an ancient tradition of the church, the collect prayer is usually addressed to God the Father through Christ in the Holy Spirit and is concluded with a Trinitarian ending or a longer ending in the following manner. Okay, so if the prayer is directed to the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. If the prayer is directed to the Father, but the Son is mentioned at the end, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. If it is directed to the Son, who live and reign with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The people joining in this petition make the prayer their own by means of the acclamation, Amen. All right, so this is what the, the general instruction says. So the collect always has a Trinitarian form in its ending. And I want to make special notes now of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so almost always it's directed to the Father, um, but the form of the end is always in, uh, mentioning the, um, all three persons of the Trinity. So per dominum nostrum, through our Lord Jesus Christ. That um, Jesus Christ is our great high priest who lives forever to make intercession for us. 
And so the prayer to the Father is precisely through him. He exercises this mediatorial, priestly role as the incarnate son. Now, one thing that I think is interesting is in terms of how English translations have rendered their, the pair dominum nostrum uh, with some, it's, uh, it's a little bit too jarring for many English ears, uh, it seems, or at least this is what people say. And so rather than just simply through, you have these little extra things like grant this through our Lord Jesus, yeah, or we ask, we ask this through. Okay, so those, those words are added. And, uh, and this is where when we say we ask this through, the, the, um, that it is going up to the Father. Okay, we ask this through, and so then Jesus, as the incarnate Son, is uh, is our way to the Father. Okay, now actually, when we say grant this through, I tend to think of that um, as the Father now going through the Son to grant us what we have asked Him. Okay, Jesus is a two-way street. I am the way and the truth and the life. Okay, so in terms of we go uh, to God through Jesus, okay, we go to the Father through Jesus, and actually that's how God comes to us. All right, so let's just think it, you know, no one comes to the Father except through me. Um, uh, in the conclusion to the third Eucharistic prayer, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. So the Father is bestowing, granting um, everything that is good in the world uh, through Jesus. Okay? After all, you think about, about uh, John chapter 1, the prologue. Uh, without him, nothing came to be. Okay? So the Father creates uh, through the Son in the Holy Spirit. And the Father recreates through the Son in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that that uh, that it's always um, uh, uh, that um, without me you can do nothing. Okay, what Saint Thomas uh, says when he comments on this in uh, the commentary on John chapter fifteen, he says this is not only about grace but it's about nature. Without me you can do nothing, because actually all things were made through him. And then he even goes a step further that the Father doesn't do anything without the Son. Right? So this is where in terms of that Jesus is a two-way street as the way, you know, that we go to the Father only through him, and the Father comes only through him. Okay, that's, that's, that's who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and the Son is, is that through, and then in terms of now the Spirit, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit especially helps us think about the unity of the Blessed Trinity. The unity of the Blessed Trinity. You know, as Father Philip Neary will talk to us in his third talk, okay, so he's getting more into all that great high-powered theology of, of the Trinity, uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit proceeds, proceeds from the Father and the Son, or the, from the Father through the Son, because the Father and the Son Actually, it's just one principle. The two are one principle in the, in the spy rating. Okay, so in the unity of the Holy Spirit, that always then uh, that the that um, you know the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, 
and there's only one God. Each is God whole and entire. And so the, 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 uh, that you just think that the Father and the Son live, in the unit, live and reign in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Right? So then you uh, have that. And then that the Holy Spirit causes us actually to be in unity through our prayer. Okay, so Romans 8, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with, pay, with, with endurance. In the same way, the Spirit too comes to the aid of our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit, because it intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. Okay, two, the change in the collect, why it matters. What I quoted to you from the online general instruction has already made the change from one God to God. Okay, Listen to the instruction that was sent out from the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales. Okay, so uh, that they have explanatory notes on the decree of November 9th, 2020, and then it has the rationale for the change in the conclusion of the collects. Okay, so this is from the Conference of England and Wales. In a letter of May 13th, 2020, to the presidents of member Episcopal conferences of the International Commission on English and the Liturgy, so ISIL, the Cardinal Prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments addressed a concern about the Trinitarian conclusion of the Collect Prayers of the Roman Missal in English. These prayers may be concluded in one of three manners as laid out in number 54 of the germ. Until now, the Latin words Deus, per omnia secula seculorum, have been rendered in English as one God forever and ever. The addition of one could be construed as mistaken or problematic. On the one hand, it could serve to undermine the statement of the unique dignity of the Son within the Trinity, which the Latin formulae so strongly convey. So if you, if, if you don't think it refers to the Son, you know, it, it actually takes away from his unique dignity. On the other hand, it could be interpreted as saying that Jesus is one God. Either or both of these interpretations is injurious to the faith of the church. I'll repeat, either or both of these interpretations is injurious to the faith of the church. Now, for decades, the mass in English has been prayed this way. Decades, decades and decades. And now we hear that to add the word one is injurious to the faith. Okay, okay. Are people noting the significant difference? Okay, or well, is it just simply, oh, I got to remember uh, to omit the word one? Okay, but what's the difference? What, what in terms of the mind of the church is the difference? All right, so let me give you an example that's other than the collect um, that is um, actually something that is available in many places, the act of faith. All right, so I'm taking this particular translation from the USCCB website. Okay, so this is an authoritative Websites, not simply you know some little organization. It's the USCCB. Oh my God, I firmly believe that you are one God and three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that your divine Son became man. Okay, so to whom is this prayer addressed? Oh my God, I believe that you are one God in three divine persons. Okay, it seems that this is to the Trinity. Okay, and you really can't have prayers for the Trinity. So, like Father Philip Neary said, how uh, you know God, um, at, as the Blessed Trinity, exercises this fatherly role over all creation. So, Saint Augustine and Saint Thomas Aquinas will talk about how our Father 
can be thought of in terms of praying to the Blessed Trinity. Okay, so that, that's one way of, of thinking about the Lord's Prayer. Um, oh my God, I, so it's fine to pray to the Blessed Trinity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that your divine Son became man. Now, some may interpret that to mean that the Son is the Son of the Trinity. Because after all, your divine Son. If you go back to the Latin, Deus meus, Fermiter credo te esse unum deum in tribus distinctis personis, patre filio et spiritu sancto, et filium propter nostrum salutem. It doesn't say your, it just says and the son. Okay, so this is where in terms of, um, uh, you know, that, um, that is there a difference between saying that the son is the son, is one of the Trinity or that the Son is the Son of the Trinity. I think it's a huge difference, okay? And particularly at the end of the act of faith, in this faith, I intend to live and die. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, this has, so to whom we pray is extremely important. Um, there was a patriarch of Antioch in the 470s and 80s by the name of Peter the Fuller. Peter the Fuller rejected Chalcedon, so the Fourth Ecumenical Council in 451, and there's this Trisagion, so the thrice holy uh, uh, prayer, and, uh, and so usually that Trisagion is holy God, holy and mighty one, holy and mortal one, have mercy on us, okay? So uh, Trisagion, add, sorry, Peter the Fuller added who was crucified for us. Okay, who was crucified for us? Well, uh, uh, so the tradition seemed to say that this is to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to the Blessed Trinity. He wanted this in terms of the Son. So who was crucified for us? This caused riots. You can read Saint, you can read Saint John Damascene's on the exact exposition of the Orthodox faith, where Saint John Damascene just goes wild in terms of how this has has taken away uh, uh, what, uh, what is true, you know, what the seraphim sang, you know, the, uh, all the tradition, and, uh, and so it's just extremely important. And so, and, and so it, get a little taste of St. John of Damascus. Uh, the arrogance, not to say folly, but we say it thus, though demons should rend us in pieces, do thou, holy God, holy and mighty one, holy and mortal one, have mercy upon us. Okay, or let's think, um, take another example, Mary, mother of God. Who's the God there? Mother of God. If you think that the God there is the blessed Trinity, well, that's heretical. If you think the God there is precisely uh, the incarnate son, that's dogma, okay? The leading of all the Marian dogmas because it's the truth that Jesus is God. Okay, so it's just the same word, God, but is the God the Trinity? Uh, or is God the Son? Okay, it makes a huge difference. Sample colics, number three. So the third uh, uh, section, I'd like for us to pay attention more to the words of the colics, that we really could, you know, we, we can, before Mass, pray over the colics, you know, after, uh, after Mass, continue this in terms of Liturgy of the Hours. So we're going to begin this evening the solemnity of St. John the Baptist, and so it's so wonderful during this uh, week to have St. John the Baptist uh, so here's St. John the Baptist's collect. 
O God, who raised up St. John the Baptist to make ready a nation fit for Christ the Lord, give your people, we pray, the grace of spiritual joys and direct the hearts of all the faithful into the way of salvation and peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Now, in terms of just thinking about this, you know, O God, who raised up St. John the Baptist, okay? So this is the idea, you know, thinking, think of God calling, raising up John the Baptist, and what, is, what, do, what does the prayer say? You know, that God does this so that John the Baptist would make ready a nation fit for Christ the Lord. So notice that we're not praying to Christ the Lord. We're praying, oh God, who's the God there? The Father, okay? Because you wouldn't speak about Christ the Lord in the third person if you're speaking to him. Okay, so you're speaking to the, so even though it just says God rather than God the Father, it, that is the Father, okay? And in terms of John the Baptist making ready, and then uh, who's the one making ready? Well, actually, God raised him. So it always emphasizes God's action. You know, what does God do? He raised up John to make ready. So, so in terms of that, yes, John did it, but really it was God who did it. Okay, and notice then how there's this uh, uh, par um, a parenthetical comment or you know something in apposition to say who this God is. Oh God, who raised up John the Baptist to make ready a nation fit for Christ the Lord? Give your people, we pray. Every collect asks for something. Give your people, we pray, the grace of spiritual joys. Okay, and this is where you know do we as priests. Ask to have spiritual joy. Do we as priests ask God for the grace of spiritual joys for our people? Sometimes people um, uh, have all sorts of problems and they forget to pray for joy. And so then to be able to see in terms of that, the joy is something that the church wants us to pray for, the grace of spiritual joys. And so you think about um, you know, joy is, uh, and, uh, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and uh, an effective charity uh, that you have, um, that this is something that is precisely about the, re about the action of the Spirit in our lives. Direct the hearts of all the faithful into the way of salvation and peace. You can hear an echo of the Benedictus. Oftentimes the collect will take little lines from scripture, from the tradition, and then have little changes in them. Okay, so they are allusions in the, in the sources there. Another example is in terms of this coming Sunday, the 13th Sunday in ordinary time, or the 13th Sunday in the year. O God, who through the grace of adoption chose us to be children of light, grant, we pray, that we may not be wrapped in the darkness of error, but always be seen in the bright light of truth, but always be seen to stand but always be seen to stand in the bright light of truth. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Right? So the grace of adoption. You can go back to Galatians chapter 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to ransom those under the law so that we might receive adoption. As proof that you are children, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Okay, so the grace of adoption. So you think about the Father um, uh, allows us to have both the Son and the Spirit. Okay, so we have the, the missions. 
And missions, okay, the missions of the divine persons are the eternal processions with their temporal effects, okay? The, the missions themselves are the eternal processions with their temporal effects, and that the that you are both visible missions and invisible missions, and the invisible missions are nothing less than the life of grace within our souls. Okay, so in terms of the grace of adoption, uh, so you know to put this within the Trinitarian theological framework, and then in terms of that lovely image of light, think about First Thessalonians five. But you brothers are not in darkness for that day to overcome you like a thief. For all of you are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the darkness or of uh, we are not of the night or of darkness. Now, this line that I stumbled over, uh, listen to this again, but always be seen to stand in the bright light of truth. Okay? So the contrast of the darkness of error, okay? Uh, now but always be seen to stand in the bright light of truth. That's beautiful. If you go back to the Latin, you would even hear another resonance. Re resonance. Sed in splendore veritatis, sed in splendore veritatis, semper mariamus conspicui. Okay, so but in the splendor of truth. Okay, so you could think about St. John Paul II's encyclical Veritatis Splendor from August 6, 1993, uh, which begins The splendor of truth shines forth in all the works of the Creator and in a special way in man created in the image and likeness of God. Truth enlightens man's intelligence and shapes his freedom, leading him to know and love the Lord. Hence, the psalmist prays, let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. Okay, you know, let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. You know, Psalm 34, look towards him and be radiant. Let your faces not be abashed. Okay, so, so this is what, uh, what we as priests are praying on behalf of the whole church at the beginning of Mass this coming Sunday. Okay. okay, so these are just some sample collects, two sample collects, the fourth and last part of this talk. Then, now, what's the, how can this help us in our priestly prayer? Okay, so in terms of the Trinitarian life and pre, um, you know, tr the Trinity and priestly life, how can this help our priestly prayer? Why do we pray? Why do we pray? We need to pray. St. Gregory of Nazianzus in his first theological oration says, it is more necessary to remember God than to breathe. Okay, it is more necessary to remember God than to breathe. Now, some might say, oh, that's hyperbole, okay? Well, the thing about it is, okay, we're going to die. The question is, will we remember God in our soul at our last breath? Because the remembrance of God can carry us into eternity when our breath stops. It is more necessary to remember God than to breathe. Okay, so really to think about the truthfulness of pray, prayer and to pray always. As priests, we made certain promises in that right of ordination to the priesthood. The bishop asks in, uh, in the um, uh, in the pontifical, so in, in the rite of ordination, the bishop asks, do you resolve to implore with us God's mercy upon the people entrusted to your care by observing the command to pray without ceasing? Do you resolve to implore with us God's mercy upon the people entrusted to your care by observing the command to pray without ceasing? Okay. 
Now, there are different ways of fulfilling this, and you think especially in terms of the Mass and the Liturgy of the Hours. St. Augustine talks about praying always, if you always have desire in your heart for God. If you always have a desire for your heart for God, in a sense, you are praying always. Well, notice how in terms of that promise, you know, you know, do you resolve to implore with us, so with the church, with the bishop, and with the church, God's mercy. We can, in our priestly prayer, uh, at different times, of course, have our prayer structured on the collect. Okay? So in terms of, uh, we are especially wanting God's mercy uh, for, for God's people. So, uh, O oh God, you who make us turn to you, Grant, we pray, the gift of mercy to my parishioners. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Okay? So just in terms of that you, uh, a simple prayer, but it, helps, uh, it can help our priestly souls to think about the structure of the Roman collect can structure our prayer. Because remember, a collect is to gather together, and sometimes, even as priests, right, we have disparate lives, okay? So that, that it really focuses it, and it's, a, it's intensely Trinitarian. Um, you know, in terms of just thinking about, uh, about uh, how the church by nature is missionary, and we, and we want all to come to God. O oh God, creator of heaven and earth, pour out your spirit of mercy upon all peoples who do not know your name, so that they may praise you now and forever in glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Okay. Or again, O God, who raised men to be configured to Christ your Son, the head of the church, as his priests, renew within them the gift they received at ordination, that they may be filled with mercy and dispense that mercy to others. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so in terms of the, the simple structure, calling upon God. Okay, so particularly God the Father is, is the usual pattern. Um, having some sort of description of who he is or what he has done. Asking for something. Uh, at, you, know, it, you know, asking for something in particular, either in terms of the first person, in the first person plural, you know, us, or sometimes also the, the, third, per, yeah, the third person, them. Okay, it, it, but asking for something. And, and, and that it's a priestly prayer in Christ, so going through him and then in the unity of the Holy Spirit. So the by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can lead our people through Christ to God the Father. Okay, so it's by that power of the Holy Spirit. In our Trinitarian prayer, we can gather together what is in our people's hearts, uh, uh, what is in our own hearts, and present it in a noble fashion, not only at Mass and in the Liturgy of the Hours, but always.